We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Seconds remaining. It is official for the first time since 2010. The Phoenix Suns are headed to the NBA playoffs. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam as always. Sam, how are you doing? I'm great. We're we're about to kick it with a longtime friend of the pod, guy we haven't brought back on in a while, so I'm excited to uh, to talk to him today. Yes, yes. Very excited. Joining us right off the top of the podcast, host of the Phoenix Suns postgame show for Arizona Sports 98.7, occasional play-by-play caller for that uh, radio station as well, and occasionally hosting for Bally Sports Arizona on the TV broadcast for the pre-halftime and post-game show, our friend John Bloom. John, how are you doing? I'm great. Mike and Sam, good to be back on the timeline. And uh, you know what? It, it's it's just fun to think about when you guys started this and, and the whole kind of momentum of that phrase, the timeline, and how we all kind of were like picturing what it would lead to. And uh, even then, and you'll have to tell me exactly when that was, but even when that was, I'm not sure any of us saw the team being where they are right now at this point, right? Well, it's a good point. I mean, I think if you told, we started in in 2018. Um, I think our first episode was right running up to that 2018 draft when they selected DeAndre Ayton. But if you told someone when we started that the Suns would be the number one seed in 2021, 
don't you think like if you went back in time don't you think they would think oh that means josh jackson he must he must have filled (laughs) out and like he's a 22 point per game all-star um dragon bender finally figured out like that's kind of what the timeline was at that time and and i think someone back then it would have been all those players who sort of resonated with them and and that's not what happened at all. It's it's pretty funny how it happens. It's not what happened. And even though it was what we were all hoping would happen, the the actual culmination of that would have still been very unrealistic because all those dudes are still in their early 20s, right? I mean, it's still to think about all those guys, even D.A., leading a team to this place is uh, really far-fetched when you've watched as much basketball as all of us have watched and understand that to get to this point in this league full of grown men you need to be led by leaders who are grown men who have actually been there and, and understand what it takes. And uh, man, we're just we're just really lucky to have that and and have that coupled with uh, the leadership uh, on the bench and uh, the fact that these young guys have all kind of bought in and everybody has embraced this situation, this opportunity together. And you can kind of track it back. I think we all kind of know how it all started, and it wasn't even this season. But at the same time, I still find myself having to take a break every now and then and just remind myself that this Suns team is sitting on top of the NBA right now. And I know now we're getting to a point, as we tape this on Saturday afternoon, getting ready for this road trip to start, that, uh, you know, it's uh, it's setting in maybe a little bit that they have a legit shot to finish as the top seed in the Western mm-hmm. Conference. Uh, but it has looked that way for a little while, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, really. It's kind of funny. You talk about the ages of the players and how uh, to expect anything like this could have felt unrealistic. Of course, before Chris Paul, thank God for Chris Paul. Uh, but, you know, Sam and I were having a conversation with one of our friends uh, recently on, on his podcast about the Suns, and we were talking about the inexperience in the playoffs for the Suns. And, you know, commonly people were talking about Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges and even thinking about those two guys who are actually older than Devin Booker. It's kind of bizarre to think not only are they all really young, you know, Devin Booker is younger than a lot of the main players on this team and is leading the team in scoring. And then beyond that, just as you mentioned, DeAndre and how vital his role has become for the Suns. It is kind of surprising to see where they are. And I'm sure you've had a lot of interaction with Suns fans over the years, John, with with obviously on Twitter and your interactions with people online. But the postgame show in particular, people call in and talk to you after every single game. What, what do you think this means for Suns fans? Just clinching the playoffs, one. That's something that happened this week. And then beyond that, the ne- very next game, they beat the Jazz to get the number one seed in the entire NBA. Hopefully they hold on to it. But what do you think this all means to Suns fans? I can tell you what it means to me, and uh, and I fit right into that profile as a Suns fan in addition to an employee and uh, you know uh, whatever other hats I'm going to wear. But but I will tell you from taking phone calls, uh, even the, the game against the Clippers that, that clinched the playoff spot, had a young man uh, in tears on the postgame show. You know, a grown man who has, wow. who has called in several times, who is, uh, you know, a, a, another guy who knows basketball and, and loves to talk about it, and that's most of the people they call. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's just great to share 
this experience with Planet Orange, as I like to call you know the fan base. I know some people don't love that, but it's just an easy way for me to group everybody together. Because I know if we just say the Valley, maybe that excludes some people that might be tuning into your show from uh, Australia. I'm sure there's some mm-hmm. folks down under listening right now. Maybe there's some folks in India. I've seen your maps before. Uh, but <laughs> in the end, uh, you know, I, I look at it as Planet Orange. We're all on Planet Orange together. And uh, it is a thrill to be kind of that conduit between the team. Uh, and the fan base and having done that now for 14 years I can tell you that the majority of the time has been almost uh, as if I'm wearing a, a white coat as a therapist but now here we are getting to reap all the benefits getting to enjoy the time that uh, you put in as a fan when it is tough uh, this is the reward to that and I think sometimes uh, you know I, I'm there to remind that to, to the fan base because we can get down on a team that loses a couple in a row or maybe isn't showing signs of being uh, you know full bore against some of the down teams around the league and then I remind myself that wow the Suns were in that position for almost a decade where they would go into opposing gems and uh, the other team would look across and be like we don't need to do anything tonight we're, we got a W right and uh, and sometimes they would sneak up and bite them and uh, those nights were celebrated by Planet Orange but it's a lot more fun to celebrate this and the significance to get back to your question Mike you know just m- mentioning the fact that a guy broke down but also uh, the rejoicing that we've done together but the other element of this there's one other layer to this that I think is vital when it comes to taking a pulse of a fan base and that is that almost unified across the board we agree that we haven't seen this team at its best yet and that there is still work to be done so it's not as if we're lining the streets ready to parade for a loser again no it's not there but at the same time you still can take that break sit back take off your criticism hat for a second put on that orange and enjoy the hell out of this because you should you just don't have tons of things in life to enjoy all the time I know I don't I do try to take joy in everything I can today it was my daughter's volleyball tournament as she lifted her team to the finals and it was so much fun to watch and I I kind of am hoarse because of that to be honest with you Uh, (laughs) I don't know if you know but you know 10 to 12 volleyball is hardcore screaming and drama if you want to be heard through a mask in a gym you need to really let it all out and now I'm starting to understand what Suns fans are doing in the stands and how they're able to make all this noise even with masks on. That's that's no uh, easy feat there. What I mean, just John, what I love about you is your positivity over the years. You mentioned, you know, you've been doing it for 14 years. I don't want to focus on the negative, but but in this stretch, in this drought, 10 years, it's such a long time. Was there ever a point where you started to 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 give up? Was there like was there a low point that you can point to and say, I really don't know if I have faith here that things are, are, are going to turn around and get better? No, and I think I have my parents to thank for that because they both went to Cal. And I grew up going to Cal football and Cal basketball games, and it would be uh, an absolute shock uh, if there was a win at the end of the experience. Uh, also, growing up as a Giants fan, although they had their amazing run, and my kids just think you know that they're this dominating baseball team. But during my youth, they were awful. Uh, so I think I got trained to go through uh, you know what what is being determined as a drought. 
drought or you know the struggles or a team that loses more than they win. Uh, it doesn't mean that I ever accepted it and tolerated it or uh, was able to even uh, get through it in some cases. So yeah, there were some down times and it, it takes a toll on you when you do the job that, that we do. And I'm going to group you guys in as well, because even though it's only been a few years of the podcast, doing it through those tough seasons of DeAndre Ayton's rookie year and, and even parts of, of uh, last year, uh, you know, I, I'm sure there were times where it felt like a grind. And your fans, too. And so I know that from you, having listened, uh, that there were tougher times to do this. For me, it can certainly take a toll because I feel like having tried to talk to fans and stay positive over the years, I'd come home and I'd be miserable and my wife would know it, too. So, yeah, those times weren't easy, but uh, that's what makes this so much more um, enjoyable. That's what I really... Uh, am grateful for is that you stick through that because you know that something like this could happen doesn't mean it's gonna happen I mean Sacramento's still waiting and they have a longer drought than we have and nothing looks really great in their future right now so uh, you know I mean Darren Fox is a a heck of a player but I just look at like where they're at and and trying to build and going through coaches and and you know everything that that uh, you know they have relative to what we're looking at here and it's a whole different ball game and there was a time where we looked at it, and I remember I think Espo was doing the post-game show with me at the time, and we were just trying to figure out what's the future of this team. You know, there just doesn't seem like much of a yeah. plan. Uh, what, yeah. what are they going to do? What, what, who are they going to build around? Now, this is all before Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you, you get a guy like Devin Booker who's that special, and I know you guys feel me here. Then it's just about how do you put the right pieces around this to get the most out of this dude. And now we're seeing that. And that is what makes this even more enjoyable for everybody who's been on board since day one, since before book got here. We want to say pre-book, whatever it is, before we learned to read. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, it, I think it's a whole whole different kind of attachment uh, to a guy like him. Yeah. And uh, what, what made it even stronger, I think, was seeing how Monty Williams responded, right? When they went through that bubble and he gave that speech and he looked right in Devin Booker's eyes and he said... Uh, you know, I know how hard this has been for you, and I know how tough this has been for you, and now it's time to control our own destiny and look at what they're doing. It's just, it's it's amazing. That speech is going to be in the trailer for the 30 for 30, no doubt. <laughs> it has to be. Yeah, the 30 for 30 will start with the bubble and then hopefully go through a championship. And I got the know, title for you right now. It's Other Side of Hard. There you go. Yep. It's perfect. Right? Producers. It's any perfect. producers listening, Let's hit them go. up. Let's go. We're ready. Let's do this. The timeline will be the producers. I can throw yeah. an exec producer on my resume. I'm not, I wouldn't be mad at that. You perfectly, I think, encapsulated why it was easy at points to not give up, and that's because of the promise of Devin Booker. I think that's why fans feel the way they feel, Suns fans in particular, especially the ones that have been around, right, for a while that's why we feel the way we do about Devin Booker in particular, because even through all of that sort of darkness, there was that hope of, of seeing a kid playing beyond what he should have been uh, playing. And, and it was pretty remarkable, remarkable and really fun at times. I feel like it's funny. You talked about it affecting your mood. Sometimes I feel like I got a lot better over the stretch of bad seasons at letting losses not affect my mood but boy am I still excited after a win like that does not go away and I don't think it ever will and John you know we I felt like I was pretty high on this team like I I I thought a a three seed if they were healthy and that kind of thing 
But you were even higher, I think, on the team as far as win predictions than I've seen a lot of people. Um, is this still something that surprises you? How good they actually are once they're on the court and how many wins they're racking up this season? Are you still surprised, even though you were higher on them than a lot of people? Yes. Uh, even though I was optimistic, as I always am, people would tell you that, uh, I still am surprised that they're this good. I still am surprised that they legitimately uh, are sitting here with nine games left and, and a chance to be the number one seed in the West and a good chance. In fact, I'd tell you better chance than any other team. So to say that with confidence, and I'm sitting here on May 1st saying that with confidence that the Suns are going to be the number one seed is remarkable, surprising. It's all those things. Uh, and, and yet, I feel like when I hear Monty Williams and I hear Devin Booker and I hear Chris Paul and even DeAndre Ayton, that goofball, when I hear them talk to us on Zoom and I wish it was in person, oh, do I wish I could ask Devin Booker what that drill he's doing that looks like he's taking squats, uh, you know, one giant step and then he takes a jumper from the baseline. I want to know what, what, who is coming up with that and, and where does that come from? But I don't get a chance to bump into these guys anymore. And that's definitely one of the downsides of this whole arrangement. But... Uh, let's get back to basketball. Uh, when these guys talk about where they're going, when they talk about what they've accomplished and, and you know they give each other some shine, which is fine uh, as far as I'm concerned, they never go uh, too far and they always track back to we still have work left to go and uh, we know that we're, it's going to be hard. And so there's kind of this understanding, a collective understanding. And so that has to come from Monty Williams. It has to come from Chris Paul and Jay Crowder and the guys that have the loudest voices in that room. And so for that reason, I give them a ton of credit for keeping everybody level-headed because I think they're surprised too. And I think they'd be lying to all of us if they told us they expected to be the number one seed in the West. Now, when you talk about them surprising even you, I imagine you're talking about it kind of in the same way we are. Like, it's a collective thing. They, there are so many players on this team who, who have outperformed, exceeded my personal expectations. But is there, any, is there anyone in particular that you think is going to catch people off guard in the playoffs that maybe teams won't have done their work on the scouting report? Or, or maybe if we just talk about the media and the fans, they won't know a ton about this player. I mean, I think there's a million, million different options you could choose. But is there anyone who's really just surprised you consistently all throughout the year, John? Oh, that's a good... Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with Cameron Payne. I am yeah. absolutely... Mm -hmm not question it and go in my gut and say it's the guy who manned a position that I think a lot of people were wondering what's the solution at backup point for this team and even though he came in and did it with flying colors in the bubble people were still wondering is he really capable of leading yep. that second unit and in some cases leading the first unit as well and he's done that and he has kept shooting at a high level uh, he has kept that uh, intense attack of the rim and the paint, which I love from that position, because it's something that's different. It's a change up from what Chris Paul is giving you. And that is going to keep teams off balance when you have that. It's If you want to use a football analogy, it's like having thunder and lightning in the back, right, backfield. It's like if you've got that bulldozer running back who's 280 and can just smash people, and then you got that absolute lightning fast guy that you could toss it to on a sweep and he burns past everybody on the outside. In this case, it's a tactician, a maestro like Chris Paul, who runs the offense like very few ever have and will have pieces moving around on that court like, uh, you know, if, if, if you watch it, I'm totally blanking on the, uh, the name of it, but that uh, great HBO, was it HBO that had the chess 
uh, drama, and Ooh. I watched it with my Queen's wife. Gambit? Queen's yes, Gambit. thank you, yeah. Queen's Gambit. Yeah, okay, Netflix. like she was unbelievable, and and so I'm I'm <laughs> saying that that's Chris Paul. Uh, if you were going to pick that. a character from a miniseries, he's got that kind of mind control on a basketball court, uh, and then you bring campaign in, and it's a whole different pace, and it is going to uh, I think throw some teams off, and it is going to be somewhat of a secret weapon for the Phoenix Suns, and I can't wait to see it employed. Uh, and I think campaign can't wait to can't wait to let it out as well and have a chance to to continue to leave his mark on this basketball team and on their run. Uh, and so that's the one that stands out to me. But as a team, I would tell you the thing that I think gets slept on more than anything with regards to the Suns is their defense. I think this team yeah. can play absolutely lockdown defense when they're engaged. They have a guy on the perimeter who's uh, unlike v- any other, and there are very few that can do the things that Mikel Bridges does defensively, as you guys have certainly chronicled on the timeline. And then you've got DeAndre Ayton. And for those who, you know, we all know the argument about DA, and you can go hours and hours on other sides uh, talking about this young man. I happen to be a big fan of his, and I really appreciate the strides he's taken on that side, the confidence he's rolling with right now as the anchor of that defense. And Chris Paul, again, deserves a tip of the cap for that because he has definitely contributed to that confidence in DA. So uh, th- those are the things for me. It's campaign as an as a individual, which is hard to pick because, again, this is a very deep team full of guys that can beat you. Torrey Craig is going to surprise some people and probably lead to at least one playoff win. Jay Crowder mm-hmm. should not be slept on because he's already helped a team get to the finals. There's all these guys that, that we could spend time talking about. I, I just always seem to fall back on the point guard position so i think that's why my guy campaign stuck out yeah we've talked before uh uh, sorry mike just just real quick we've talked before about cam giving us a lot of Dragic vibes john and do you see that too i mean you covered that team in in depth it it kind of feels like campaign could have a Dragic game at some point in a in a deep playoff run this year I think he could for sure. Uh, you know, you got the Southpaw, Southpaw thing going for both of them too. Uh, I think it, the, the difference was there would be long droughts with Goran. Now, a lot of people don't uh, maybe yeah. remember this, but he would lose his confidence at that age. Yeah. Uh, and it got to a point where he lost his confidence so bad that they gave up on him, remember? So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we all kind of regretted when that all went down that way. And then even more so later as he continued to blossom and just a phenomenal player. And I absolutely love the guy as a human being too. So, uh, campaign Payne has a lot to to grow into to, to fill all of those uh, footsteps, but uh, yeah. he's certainly on that path. And the thing that we haven't seen from him is those lulls. I think he's been very consistent, don't you? I mean, super, super confident is a good way of putting it. And it's funny you mentioned Dragic's confidence. One of the things I remember so much about Dragic is every time he made a mistake, he would look at the bench. And, it's, and, you know, that probably was from D'Antoni, who didn't like to play a lot of young guys. And then, you know, uh, Alvin Gentry... Uh, literally had to force him to stop looking at him uh, on the sidelines and just be more confident in his play. Whereas Cameron Payne probably did lose some of that confidence at some point, but once he got to the Suns, he sure had it. Like he, he came into the bubble looking like he was ready to start uh, for the Suns and has been playing like that ever since. And I think that's a perfect choice as far as the biggest surprise because you mentioned it. Uh, I mean, we weren't sure if the Suns were going to be looking for another backup point guard at some point during the season, and we were very lucky that they haven't had to do that. And, you know, you mentioned DeAndre Ayton as well, too. I'd like to just briefly touch on that, something that we had talked about on a different podcast that I want to bring up here. It's funny looking back at 
when he was drafted and what people were projecting him to be in the NBA was this offensive-minded center who was going to score a lot of points who couldn't really play defense. And it's just something that I've gotten to the point of how grateful I am that those people were wrong about what he is because what he actually is is a defensive-minded player who can really anchor a great, great, great defensive team and is still capable of scoring, but it's just not something that he has to do in order to be effective, which I think is really important for a center because uh, if you're game-planning against a team in the playoffs, if you have a center that's not good at defense, that's an easy game plan. You're going to find ways to score over and over and over again. But if you have a center like DeAndre Ayton that can protect the rim and can find ways to, to guard on the perimeter as well if he's needed there, it's it's really important. It's really vital. Has his development over the last specifically two seasons surprised you, John? Uh, yeah, maybe it's a little bit faster than I expected, Mike, but I, I think it's on the trajectory that uh, we all hoped uh, it would be on. Now, some folks focus just only on the numbers right they want to see 20 and 10 or 20 and 15 or 25 and 15 and if they don't they're never going to be satisfied because they're looking over at what the other dude's doing in dallas and are just gaga with statistics well i'm not like that uh especially with a big man so what i'm looking for is what impact he has on a game and if you watch the suns (laughs) it doesn't take long to find out his impact on them does it yeah yeah and it's really not a difficult concept either. Like, there's only so many touches to go around on this team. So you would think, like, Chris Paul and Devin Booker are ball-dominant players. It's not just Aiton who, who doesn't. Now, for whatever reason, I mean, we know why, but but people hold Aiton to a different expectation than some other players on this team. But Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges, these guys are not scoring 15 or 20 a night either. They don't have to. They can all kind of be superstars in their respective roles. And, you know, maybe they only hoist up a shot every four or five minutes, but they do it at just really, really efficient rates. So, you know, we can say that about eight, and we can say that about a lot of players on this team, too. Absolutely. And you just said the magic word, Sam, which is the role, right? And when you have a great team, what is the key to it? In my opinion, it's that guys accept their roles. A lot of people will say, well, you got to have two superstars or three stars or whatever it is. To me, it's that everybody has to be a star, just like you said, in their particular role. This team has morphed into that. You know, it hasn't been that way for years, but uh, this team certainly appears to be that way. When you can even take a veteran like Jay Crowder and go and, and have him sit for a while and then come back and have him start. You've got guys at the end of the bench like Langston Galloway and Etuan Moore that we know can fill it up uh, when they're given the chance, and yet they're sitting on the bench for the majority of the action, but when they're given an opportunity, they're going to step up and do their best and make a play and have a better chance to do so than most guys in their position around the league. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with what's being asked of them. It's the right role for these guys. Does it mean that Langston Galloway is not uh, capable of being a 15-point scorer for another team on every night? No, doesn't mean that at all. It just means for now, for him to play winning basketball, this is the perfect role for him at this point. And it's great to have him in that role. And uh, also great to see him in, in our world, doing a little uh, kicking it with LG as well on yeah. top of that. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I wanted to give him some love for that. And I, I think his teammates have enjoyed uh, getting to sit with him and, and be in, involved with that. And I, th- I think it's nice that the Suns have incorporated some of their players in their content creation as well. So got to get it, get that in. Uh, now, uh, as far as uh, everything, back to, to just looking at why this team can potentially make a run and why it looks as optimistic as it does right now 
is because of the fact that you've got stars uh, who have deferred to each other at the right time. It took a little while for Chris and Devin to work things out in the beginning of the season. We all saw it with our own eyes, and they saw it, and the numbers tell the story, don't they? Uh, I've heard you guys describe it uh, and, and get into the metrics a little bit of, of their on-court together numbers and, and when they were just on solo relative to, you know, together. So it, it and, and all of that has turned. That has turned in mm-hmm. a way where I think we all should have expected it to turn based on the acumen and uh, I guess the track record that we've seen from both of those dudes. But then it was about everybody else seeing that happen, believing that it would happen, and then sliding right into whatever their role happened to be. And for DeAndre Ayton, that might have been the biggest thing. Because he, in addition to everybody else thinking this guy's going to be 25 and 15, I'm sure there was part of him thinking, I got, I'm going to get my 25 a night or 20 yeah. a night. Right? There had to be. He's the number mm-hmm. one pick. He's had people tell him how great he is since he learned what they were talking about. So as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, uh, th- it's another uh, sign of potential greatness in a young man that he's able to be humble and, and, and you know, embrace this role. Now, is it going to pay off in Groves? Uh, potentially. That man's going to get paid in a big, big way. And it's not going to be about 25 and 15. It's going to be about yeah. him stepping right in, doing what was asked of him, and being a sponge, too. Let's not uh, forget just how much he's kind of taken notes along the way through these three seasons. You can see it, and he's made strides. It's exciting. Yeah, how lucky for him to be able to learn to win at this level this early in his career. It's very, very rare to have an opportunity like that to develop, especially with a superstar like Chris Paul. And that's the last thing I want to ask you about John, it always comes back to point guards, as you were saying earlier, and I'm the same way. Look, we're Suns fans, right? The Suns now, thanks to Chris Paul, ha- arguably have three of the top six or seven point guards of all time, if you factor in Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, Chris Paul, and then you, of course, have Kevin Johnson. There's all the other guys that are in there, too. Of course, of course. But Chris Paul has brought something to this team that is... Obviously tangible on the court, but there's an intangible aspect to it as well. Uh, you know, leadership is is everything. Uh, just I just want you to feel free to just sort of wax poetic on what Chris Paul has meant for this team and the difference he has made for these young players. I know you've seen it. I'd love to hear your perspective on it. I've seen it, and Mike, I, I just did not have the proper amount of respect uh, for him and his uh, entire body of work uh, until actually this season and getting to see it up close and personal. And what's weird about that is I've heard others in similar roles with the Rockets and the Thunder uh, say the same thing. And so when you watch a guy go to work from far and you see him uh, you know, kind of collect win after win and go to playoffs every year and always be in the top of the assist category and make all NBA and go to the all-star game and do the things that Chris Paul does and be on our television every single commercial break with State Farm and, and all these other things. Uh, you know, when, when he's not doing it for your squad, it, it might be something that you just look at and you're like, oh, it's, it's Chris Paul. Yeah, it's, that's who he is. But uh, when he puts your uniform on, <laughs> that changes everything. 
And so I'm looking at my wall as I sit here in the office, and I'm seeing the big 13 with Nash above it, the Ring of Honor uh, picture that they handed out to the fans, which I put up like a like a kid, you know, still in my dorm room. I, I still put these things up with tape. And then next to that, I've got the number seven from KJ Dunk Knight back in 2014, and I kept that, put that up on the wall with tape. And I'm, I'm looking at these guys, and, and I'm realizing that these guys are, are such a big part of why I am so passionate about the Phoenix Suns. And Chris Paul had such huge footsteps to fill to even get into that category. Like to even think about putting that three up on the wall next to the 13 and seven is a huge thing for me. But mm-hmm. man, if he takes them to the finals, if they continue this run, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at where it's going to go right now. I'm trying to find that spot because uh, this has been amazing to watch. And, uh, you know, I, I think the best is yet to come. Uh, it's, it's so weird to say that because here they are at 45 and 18 and the best record in basketball. But uh, we get to go watch them play in the playoffs, guys. I mean, it's happening. I, I do feel like the way a lot of Suns fans have thought about Chris Paul up to this point is just Suns fans are, first of all, they're very protective as they have the right to be over Devin Booker. So a lot of people have viewed Chris Paul kind of as this basketball mercenary who you're paying for one season to come in and take you to the playoffs. But obviously we didn't expect to be here. If he gets you to the finals, he can opt out of his contract and you extend him for whatever the hell he wants. You know, like he just mm-hmm. takes takes ownership of a whole different place in the course of Suns history and and in the sense of the emotional attachment that fans will have to him. Um, last thing I want to ask you about, John, before we let you go here. It's been a weird season for you. You mentioned earlier you haven't had the same sort of level of contact with the players. We don't know the exact procedures and, and standards for what the arena capacity will be in the playoffs, but I imagine it'll be pretty close to, to the real thing at that point. How excited are you just to be in that environment again? So excited. So excited, Sam. So pumped. Uh, wish you could be there uh, right alongside <laughs> both of you guys just sitting there. I've got this whole row to myself, the way we're set up in the in the radio suite. Uh, Al and Tim are, are in the back. Uh, you know, when you walk into a suite, they're basically on floor level. If you've been into a suite before and then you go down a couple steps to, to the actual seats. Well, they're up on the floor level, and they've set up, you know, seats and a monitor for them and stat monitors and everything, and Walt, our engineer, is sitting there as well. And then I'm in front, and they've got all these plastic guards and everything. It's kind of crazy. Uh, and then I sit in front with no plastic guards, and I'm in the actual seats. I've got a headset on as well. And it's been amazing this season because uh, I, I'd say the benefit, even though it's really uh, a tricky situation for the road games, and we don't need to get too deep into that, but uh, my hope would be if anybody's listening from the league, uh, I know you're big with the NBA offices. Uh, the timeline's like top of the charts <laughs> over there, I've heard. So if anybody from the league is listening, I can tell you that uh, it is uh, a very challenging craft to call a radio broadcast off a television monitor uh, in a conference room. And uh, we've, we're in a, a building that's uh, you know, almost constantly under construction. So uh, we had times where we didn't have air conditioning. We had times where we lost the feed. We've lost, I've had to call a game off of a stat monitor. You know, we've had uh, you know, crazy things go on that uh, I'm concerned because we're about ready to go to the playoffs. And these are going to be historic moments. And for them to be left up to that uh, technology that's almost like third hand at this point, not against anything that the league has done from a protocol standpoint, I completely understand why this is what was set up at the beginning of the season but my question is now that we're allowing fans in and a good amount of them in some places 
uh, I think it would be worth a conversation uh, with some of the veteran broadcasters to understand uh, why it's so important for us to be in the building to be able to describe the action. And, and it's different than what I mentioned before about not interacting with the team. I don't need to have that interaction. The Zoom certainly does what it needs to do from a standpoint of getting us educated on who's in and out and uh, what the mindset of the team is and approach and all that stuff. Uh, but it's, it's the fact that this is a, a craft, this is an art form, I believe, that I've worked really hard hard on my entire life for that matter to, to get ready to do and and I'm so fortunate to have the opportunity to be the backup to a Hall of Famer like Al McCoy and have a chance to work with this team and, and group of people I would just hate to have to have this come down to you know a, a video feed that goes for us at a key moment in time with the Suns making a run in, in the playoffs and, and I'm hopeful that mm-hmm. uh, you know again I know you, you have those fans of the league office so guys thanks for tuning into the timeline first of all <laughs> second of all I am available for a conference call anytime if you want to chat about it further. <laughs> John, we appreciate everything that you do for this team. And of course, we appreciate you joining us here on the Timeline Podcast. Everyone follow John on Twitter at John Bloom. Listen to the 98.7 radio broadcast. John is great. And of course, the legend Al McCoy is there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As well. And of course, if you're ever on TV, watch John on TV. We got we to see him everywhere he is. John, we appreciate you. Is there anything else that you'd like to plug? Uh, the timeline. Sometimes I'm on that uh, podcast. It's really good. You should check it out. Like the NBA uh, league offices, it's their favorite. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Take it easy, guys. Go, son. When we come back, Sam and I will talk more about the upcoming games and whether or not we think the Suns can hold on to the number one seed. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
All right, big thanks to John for joining us there. Sam, we should talk about what it means for you and I that the Suns officially clinched the playoffs. And now, we're recording now after the OKC Thunder game, remain number one in the entire NBA as far as record goes. A pretty remarkable feat. I just, it's it's almost difficult for me to put into words, which is tough because I'm a host of a podcast, uh, exactly what this all means. Uh, but it's been it's been a a surprising run. What do you think? I, I mean, you heard from John in his own words. He's an amazing guy. But I asked him, did he ever doubt? And he said, no, he he never did because he's a he's just a fan to the end. He's he's a terrific fan that way. Uh, my brain doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> and over the past ten years, Mike, honestly, there were times where I was questioning why I was doing this. Um, <laughs> I mean, our our first with our podcast, we started our podcast the first entire season with a podcast. It was a it was a shitty nineteen win season. But even before that, like n- not necessarily as a content creator per se, but just as a fan, just as a regular fan, like why am I giving this team my my time, my attention, um, my money? You know, when it comes to to merch and whatnot, not ticket sales, but uh, I I it's it's a good day. It's it's a good day. It's been a good week, a good month, a good year. And uh, like we said to him, I'm just going to savor the experience as much as I can. Yeah, I think that's the right way to look at it. And it's and it is it's pretty amazing. And even just from where we started on this podcast, I mean, we our first season was for a 19 win team. Now, we expected the team to be better in that 19 win season. Uh, but even then, I think you and I had this feeling that they're, it's not like we didn't expect them to make the playoffs that season. We thought maybe if everything went right, there could be a small chance that they do. Yeah. We uh, were, and you know, obviously, we were projecting like thirty to thirty-five wins. I think was what yeah. we were hoping for. But yeah. but that point, that was the low point to me. The Igor season, even with like there was a lot of hope that DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges brought, but like the fourth straight season of underperforming expectations. I mean that. There were moments where it was like, is Devin Booker really this dude that that everyone kind of wants to say he is? But but is he really? And and like obviously he's very good, but it's like, can he actually take us to the playoffs? And obviously we've answered those questions now, and it's been great. But yeah, there were there were some really low moments there over the past five years, especially. Yeah, my whole thing was, will Robert Sarver be enough an imp- of an impediment that the Suns won't be able to build the proper kind of team? around Devin Booker in order to to get them to where they are today. And I think more than anything else, you know, obviously last season was fun, and I think you and I had a lot of fun covering last season as well. Even with the amount of losses they had last season, they won't even get anywhere near that uh, this season. And obviously an improvement, but it just makes me personally appreciate Chris Paul even more. I think this is the reason when you really think about it, he's in the MVP conversation for a lot of people uh, because the difference is staggering. Even if the Suns would have naturally gotten better this season with uh, DeAndre Ayton improving, Mikael Bridges improving, Cameron Johnson improving. They would have. They would have a little bit. Moves around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they would have gotten better. Uh, but the difference with somebody like Chris Paul is just incredible. And I think, f- for me, more than anything, just sort of taking a step back once they hit number one and once they clinched the playoffs, you know, I was in the arena that game. And just looking at the entire picture of this season, I just kept falling back to thinking about how huge it was to make that trade for Chris Paul, which, by the way, we've talked about it before. When I first pitched it to Suns fans as an idea, 
I mean, it was barely like half of Suns fans were into it. Like more, almost in half of the entire fan base that follows us uh, online were not even into that idea. And you know, it's, it seems kind of silly now, right? Uh, fans, they homers also they they fall in love with their guys, you know. And and there's a certain element to that now too, where the deeper this team goes, the more attached people are going to get to all the role players on this team. You know, maybe maybe if you pose a Jay Crowder for I don't know. Uh, I can't think of a good example right now. I was trying to think of some all-star <laughs> small forward who might be on the market. The point is, um, fans always overvalue their own players. It's tale as old as time. It's going to keep being like that. But um, but yeah, this is this is really a special group we've got here. Um, I I think we've mentioned it before. Ten years ago, I was in middle school. People should mm-hmm. people should know that there's an age gap between the two of us right now. I think people know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in middle school. Uh, I wasn't doing anything cool. You know, I was just a, a middle school kid. I did whatever middle school kids did. Um, what were you doing in, in 2010? What was your life like? <laughs> I, I played in a band. I, um, I went to a lot of games uh, that season, the last time the Suns made the playoffs I, I went I did as much as possible to get to see Steve Nash as much as possible because there's something about that entire season that felt uh, like a final run even though Steve Nash was still on the team uh, after that something about all of it felt like all right this might be our last time to see like they're really good a really good Suns team so uh, I I was at the arena I was outside the arena I should say when they got eliminated from the playoffs which was not a home game it was an away game, but I was there just sort of celebrating uh, with other Suns fans, and we all walked home very uh, somberly, <laughs> I think is the way to put it. Uh, but, yeah, it's come a long way. And, and you know, the the Suns – actually, we should talk about, do you think they have a chance to hold on to the number one seed? I, I want to go over. There's eight games left. Sure. Only two of them are home games. So, basically, six games on the road, two home do games. Do you have Utah's schedule pulled up, or should I – I don't Let me do that. Uh, bring that up. Actually, I'll, I'll read out these just so, just while you do that. At Cleveland, at Atlanta, home for New York, at Lakers, at Warriors, and then home for Portland, and then the final two Spurs games, which are on the road, and those are the ones that still the time has not even been scheduled for those games. Right before the playing games, yeah. uh, are those Spurs? So games. the first thing that jumps out to me, the first thing that's going to jump out to everyone is healthy Lakers. That's cool we're gonna get like that's the big game to circle out of the rest of the season we get an actual game against the healthy lakers that means something awesome give it to me um the hawks game the knicks game yeah they've been playing we've got another one against them both of those teams are playing like top four seeds in the east um recently they're they're both on winning streaks obviously we beat the knicks once but not so easy to do it again um so that'll be big the spurs are decent well the last four games i think we should say Warriors, Blazers, Spurs, Spurs. Yeah. Those are four teams fighting for the playoffs at this point. They're not teams that are going to sit down and just just lose. Yeah, I don't even know play. what that's going to look like. And and do you want me to read out here? The Jazz have uh, an easier schedule than us for sure because they don't play any surefire contenders. It's funny. Their next two games are also against the Spurs, so they play San Antonio twice as well. The Spurs are definitely going to factor into mm. to all of this for us in some way. Um, they play Denver after that. That's a good team. They also play Golden mm-hmm. State. They also play Portland. But then they mm. also have got uh, Houston, Sacramento, and and OKC. So they've got a few g- Do you gimmies. see how many of those are home games and ho- how many are away games? One sec. One, two, three, four, five, 
five out of the eight are home games for them. Yeah, and that's a big deal for them. I think they've been a lot worse on the road. Uh, you know, like uh, they've been an average. Look, team what I can, what I can tell you is that five thirty eight. Believe the numbers or don't believe the numbers. Believe whatever you want, but the five thirty eight projections. They analyzed the schedules and they said based on the schedules and, and the strength of schedule and whether you're home or away, this is who we think is going to finish in what seed. The night of, I don't know what it says right now. The night that the Suns took the first seed from the Jazz after they beat the Jazz the first time a couple days ago. It still gave Utah a, I believe it was 64% chance of finishing number one just based on their easier schedule. I would imagine a couple days yeah. later, it's about the same right now. So they still think I that think, they're given yeah. maybe a one or two game advantage by virtue of their schedule, even though we own the tiebreaker. I think that's probably fair. Um, yeah. But you, it's definitely possible you can do it. I mean, you look back at the bubble, we had, a, according to 538, a less than 0.0001% chance to... <laughs> you know to to go eight no or whatever and and they did that so obviously we're we're dealing with things in the realm of possibility here yeah and better odds than that uh but i think this is another thing every week sam you and i get get questions from people asking if we think that suns should rest players at some point in this last uh few games and i think it's very clear now just reading off the games for Utah, reading off the games for the Suns, and the last four games that the Suns are playing, last five games really, which is Lakers, Warriors, Blazers, Spurs, Spurs, uh, they're not going to do that. I would say that it's almost a guarantee that at that point, they're going to be trying to hold on to the number one scene, if not get it back. Uh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, th- there's a chance that the Jazz could take a one-game lead here or some at some point if the Suns drop, say, Lakers, Warriors or something. You know, it it's I'll, Lakers obviously there's no guarantee Warriors you never know I'll just maintain my stance that I said last week which is I don't want to kill myself over this and you know I'm already getting nervous about the the various guys I see at, on the injury report all the time I mean Dario missed a couple games Jay is still out Cameron Payne missed a game tonight granted these are not the top top players on the roster I know but you look around the league right now and it's kind of shaky a few more guys went down tonight uh, around the league with with some injuries that we don't know the status of yet so it, it definitely makes me nervous. I, I'm I'm not, especially when we don't know the status of the two LA teams, whether they're going to finish third through sixth. We, we just don't know if we can avoid them or not. I really don't care too much about, I, I'd love to keep number one if the circumstances says so be it. Um, but it's it's just not one of my main priorities. You're, you're totally fine in the number two seed. It doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, yeah, I think the for the Suns in particular, the fact that they've matched up so well against Utah I think they could still feel confident in the number two seed if they do end up matched up against Utah at some point in the playoffs, which would be the Western Conference Finals if they're one and two. Uh, They could still feel relatively confident even without home court advantage there. I still think it's best to have it if you can. So I guess it really depends on how the next few games play out. Like if Utah drops two in a row, then the Suns have a little bit of a cushion. Then we'll see how it ends up uh, playing out for the last few games of the season. And maybe they can rest... Uh, against this one of those Spurs games. They are back-to-back games, by the way, Saturday and Sunday mm-hmm. in the Spurs games. Uh, it'll be an interesting thing to watch. I think it's kind of odd. Like, I I almost feel like this end of the season is just coming so fast. <laughs> like, all of a sudden... I feel like it's... We only have a few episodes before the playoffs We're start. crawling, man. We're crawling to the finish line. That's how I feel. I mean... Well, I guess when you watch Oklahoma City... The Suns against Oklahoma City. Yeah, can we address that real quick? Because we so we did the interview with John yesterday. We just watched the OKC game. What the hell was that? <laughs> I mean, like, and and that's the thing about these games, man. Is is you don't learn a ton from them. But it's funny. I was I was like, okay, 
I was thinking as I watched the game, we're going to have to say something about this game on the podcast. So I was thinking about, uh, like, what, what did I learn tonight? And it was the late third quarter, and I was ready to praise the Suns for what I thought was doing a very good job of never taking your foot off the gas pedal and, and remaining poised, even in the face of lesser competition. I think, generally speaking, they've been better at that in the second half of the season. And then the fourth quarter happened, and... <laughs> Oh my God! Just something that should not have turned into an actual close ball game um, became a close ball game. And credit to OKC, three point loss. That's probably like the perfect loss for their situation, where it's like you technically lose, you preserve the tank, but you can say that you took it to the number one seed in the West and and gave them a fair fight. Yeah, um, there's nothing to learn from the Oklahoma City Thunder game. I don't think at all. Uh, I mean, I think it's as simple as if Cameron Payne played, they would have dominated uh, because, uh, you know. Do you think it's that much of a, of a swing, though? I don't yeah, think so. Do. Let me ask you about something here. Um, how do we feel about these Dario power forward minutes? He's back to he's back to playing. I think if there's anything we could talk about from this week that's, like, new. Yeah. How yeah. do you feel about it? I, I'm not sure because what, here's the one thing that I don't like about it is that He's not screening now. Like, he's become a non-screener. And when he's a non-screener, that means he's essentially playing a spot-up role. And he's not... Look, he's a fine spot-up shooter. And I actually think there is an element of playing as that spot-up shooter. Maybe he can get some wide-open shots and that can get his confidence up a little bit for, for later. Maybe that's why they're doing it. But to me, you're, what you're doing essentially is you're put, planting him in the corner. You have Frank Kaminsky running out and screening on every single play. And the Suns really only use one screen as far as a ball screen. Like I saw screen them. The I ball. saw them double drag a few times with the two of them on the court tonight. But it would be like, or it, it wasn't always double drag. Sometimes it was just two screens from opposite sides. Yeah, but it was. I guess the difference. It is would always be screening every time yeah. and not. No, and, and and it would always be Frank rolling and Dario popping. So to your point, right? Like, okay, he's a power forward. Look. I guess you could say he's a little bit more comfortable d- defensively at that position. He still got cooked by Darius Basley a few times, I think, just because of the lack of yeah. lateral movement trying to guard him. Um, he looks fine, but yeah, he, he also kind of looks like now you're taking him and making him like Anthony Tolliver or something. <laughs> and that's just not not where he's at his best. Yeah, I I don't know. I kind of understand it for don't- now. I feel like they can get away with it for a few games, but I'm just. They got to figure out if he can do if he can capture some of that magic from. Before I feel like he um, really good. At some point, we're going to have to have. The, we're probably going to talk about it a lot in the off season. Uh, a more extended conversation about Dario. He's signed to a three year deal. He's got two years left at nine million, which is a hefty chunk of change. Um, so like he needs to play a role, and and overall he's he's done very well this season. I think at the backup five. But there's still enough anxiety. You can sense it in the Suns fan base about we need an actual backup five too. Um, and, and you know, just the way we're talking about it now, it's like we're not overly impressed with the way they use him at the four. Tario's in a kind of precarious position. Like, he's got a role on this team for sure. He's added value, no doubt about it. Um, where exactly he fits into the scheme and, and onto the roster for the next two years while he's still signed to a long-term deal, I don't know. I, th- I think it's going to be kind of a situation that develops and will be kind of interesting to track. Well, I think that, it's a, it's a weird thing where his defense was really good uh, earlier in the season in that he was not he's not overly like he's pretty strong he's not overly fast uh, he's got no verticality at all like he's not going to jump up and block a guy 
but he was really good at getting to the right spots before the offensive player could get there and just being in the way in the way that a big man can. And that's something that I think has gone away from his game a little bit. And when that goes away, it's entirely about what he contributes on offense. And he hasn't contributed a ton on offense lately. I think today, actually, he had a relatively good game, especially in the first half. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. There was some fouls on Basley, too, where it just looked like he just couldn't keep up with him. And it's just not a great position to be in uh, for him. And I think there is the, like the body, the overall body of work is that he's been a positive more than he's been a negative. And I think the reason there's some anxiety, as you described it, is because it, the, the negative part is coming right before the playoffs now, which is a fair reason to be a little bit concerned. We need him to be as good as possible. I'd be surprised if Frank is playing with Dario in the playoffs. Like that that would be a massive surprise. Yeah, I still think I guess there's a chance you could have Dario Aiton. No, I still think playoffs. this is just a Jay Crowder is out thing. But it's yeah. just the fact that, yeah. you know, I, I look at the interactions Suns fans are having online now, it seems like people aren't super enthused about Dario at either position <laughs> so far. And and I don't think that's totally fair to him, but I just feel like that's kind of what the discourse is. Yeah. And you're right. It's, it's, I, I don't know. It's one of those things where you just kind of have to monitor it for the rest of the season. Mm. And uh, if he still is playing the way he is lately going into the playoffs, then that's what you have. <laughs> it's not really going to get, a, I mean, you, you know, it might get better. There has been times where he's struggled a little bit and then I'll have a game or two where he's really good again. And that's what you kind of hope for. And, uh, you know, that really, it puts a lot of pressure on DeAndre Ayton to really come through every single, every single night. And that's going to be tough. There were a few other games. Obviously, the OKC game was sort of the least interesting. But, the, I mean, they beat the Jazz. They beat the Clippers. Those are the two teams that were sort of creeping up uh, in the standings. Obviously, the Jazz were number one when the Suns beat them. I'm not sure there's a ton to learn from those games because <laughs> of who was missing. I mean, I think that the Clippers game was kind of interesting because I I, I still think that the Suns can have some good games against the Clippers. And, and although I think that's a bad matchup for the Suns in general... I wouldn't guarantee that the Clippers would win that in any way. I still think the Suns can put up a fight against that Clippers team. You mean in a series? If Chris Paul is play- yeah, in a series yeah, I mean, in the playoffs. I'm not guaranteeing anything uh for sure. I I just think the Clippers uh as I look up and down in the Western uh, the Western Conference, they have the best compromise between their superstars who are really good. We didn't play Kawhi Leonard in that game. He's he's really good in case you didn't know. Um but also just like they have a similar uh supporting cast of role players to Utah who just shoot the shit out of the ball. Like in that game, the Clippers game without Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris and Luke Kennard and all those guys uh, still shot like 50% from deep. So it's just the, the idea of having to face up against that and pick your poison between those shooters or containing Kawhi and, and to a ex- lesser extent PG inside the three point line. That's what makes them so difficult. I I, I just think they've, struck the best balance and it's created for you know if you look um at the half court offensive ratings i don't know exactly where they are right now but i know pretty consistently throughout the season it's been like brooklyn leads the nba in half court offense because obviously they've got all these great isolation players but then the clippers have been just behind them for a lot of the season um and and better than a lot of other contending teams just because they're set up to to succeed in that way yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, the other thing from these games, I think that's something to take from them uh, is Devin Booker appears to be playing very well. <laughs> there were moments where he looked like a like an MVP candidate uh, out there on the floor. 
that mid-range shot is now falling in the way that we've gotten more used to it falling in previous seasons and uh, you know there was some I think I think I saw Max McCauley our friend say something like if Devin Booker plays like this the Suns can win a championship and I tend to agree with that you know the very very heights of this team the absolute ceiling that they can reach is dependent on how well their superstars play in Chris Paul and Devin Booker and I think we saw a stretch here where Devin Booker looks like one of those guys that could be the best player on a playoff team consistently right yeah not to overuse the the Clippers analogy but like if you face up against a team like that in a series, you know, throw Paul George out of the equation for a second because I know <laughs> I know what his playoff reputation is. But you know what Kawhi Leonard is going to do in a playoff series. So for Devin Booker, it's about yeah, you need to be a good isolation score, not just a good isolation score. You need to match up with the best. You need to match up with LeBron, with Kawhi, with Harden or KD. It's like to to get us over the final hurdles in the Western Conference Finals and the finals. That's how good he needs to be. And I thought the Utah game was a great example. I'm looking at the box score here. He had 31 points on 19 shots. It's That's the level of efficiency and difficult shot making that we need him to sustain um, at a playoff yeah. level. It's a huge ask for him to do that. Um, but we'll see. Maybe he has it in him. Yeah. Um, it's it's. I'm feeling pretty good about it lately. Uh, last point for me about these specific games from this week that I just wanted to make is I feel like we've gotten to a point with DeAndre Ayton where people are no longer box score watching like they were previously. Like the the three games this week that we were going to talk about, I'm not sure if the Knicks game, yeah, we recorded after the Knicks game. So the three games since the last time we talked, the Clippers, the Jazz, and the Thunder, specifically the Clippers and the Jazz, the Thunder, like I said, nothing to learn. There was nothing impressive about his scoring numbers in those games. Uh, I think he had five points in the Jazz game and like 11 points uh, in the Clippers had, game or maybe the other He had five again tonight too. He only took three shots tonight. I know you don't want to talk yeah. about the Thunder. I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> no, I, and you're right. I mean, maybe it's a trend. But the, the point is, is people seem to be... The point that we've been trying to hammer home about DeAndre and for, I don't know, I guess years now is that the impact that he can have on the floor is not dependent on that specific column in the box score. You know, there's obviously blocks. There's obviously uh, rebounds, and rebounds are important. Offensive rebounds even more important, I think. Uh, but, like, I feel like the tide has turned a little bit on him where people aren't saying the, well, he can he can wake up to 20 and 10 every night because that's not important I, any, anymore. I, I, like, I think <laughs> you're right, first of all. I th but I think you're giving people too much credit. I think the reason they're not saying that <laughs> about DeAndre Ayton is because it's really easy to not get on a guy's case when you've won how many games in a row or how many games out of how many games. Like, the Suns are the number one seed in the Western Conference. If if you're ruthlessly bullying any player on the roster right now, you can go fuck off, you know? It's like, that's just mm -hmm. what it is. But if the Suns drop three of four this next week and Ayton is averaging six points per game, we're going to hear about it because that's just the way that's the way it goes. Uh, so, if he, just to reiterate, you're right, and we should continue to tell people that it's not about the box scores with him, uh, but people are going to judge him by W's and L's, even when it's not always his fault that, that they win or lose in a specific night. Yeah, it was nice to see that the, uh, you know, I brought up the clutch offensive rebound thing. It was nice to see his, there was a stat going around about him and his offensive rebounds in the clutch and how he was essentially double uh, he had double the rebounds of the per next person on that list of the offensive rebounds and clutch situations in the NBA. 
I expected it was a thing. It felt like a thing. And it's nice. The Suns, can, they, they basically have a play of do whatever you want. And if you miss, DeAndre Ayton will get the rebound. Mm-hmm. That's a nice play to have in the clutch if, if, if teams are switching because, you know, the, the, there's an advantage on both sides of the switch as far as a big guarding a guard and then a guard guarding a big. Um, all right. That's all I had. Do you have anything else specifically about those games that you wanted to talk about? I want to see Ayton versus Capella this week. I'm looking at the schedule right now. That's just a wow. that's just a fun physical matchup of it's like, you know, for, with Capella it's kind of the same way. It's like sometimes he has twenty points, but but like that's not really what it's about. He's just a rebounding machine. Yeah. He's having a better defensive year. He's been a huge reason mm-hmm. behind their current win streak, honestly. Um, and he plays the exact yeah. same role for Atlanta that that Aiton does for us. So it's just challenging him to get up in a game like that. Not like Capella is a top three even top five big in the league it's it's no i think he might be <laughs> i really think he might i mean be at this I, point no i i i think I, that's i mean we could list him out on another day i i, I struggle yeah. to get there but it's more so just i mean he's a top five big in the league if you're just talking about bringing energy and and being relentless as Defense. a as a board chaser yeah he's he's a pretty good defender too um i i would like to see that matchup i'm looking forward to that one that's all yeah, yeah, it's fair. I don't want to list the centers out either. Obviously, there's some great <laughs> ones in the NBA. But if you look at defensively, he has been one of the best defensive centers, top three defensive centers in the NBA so far this season, essentially. Who's your Embiid who's your, and Gobert. who's your one and two? Gobert and who's two? two? Embiid. Embiid? Where's, Embiid uh, and Gobert. Yeah. Where's Miles where's where's Turner? And also, yeah, where's Aiton? Aiden's probably right there. I mean, I probably I mean, have Aiden back I'm, end of the top five or, or something. Yeah. He, he's I feel like Miles right Turner there, has to I'm be just up talking there somewhere. Statistically. Yeah. If you just look at the, the, the statistics, they really do favor. Like, Capella is really good in all of those stats. So it's going to be an interesting game. To He's their second best. And Bam player, has to be up there the somewhere, too, though, if we're just talking defense. See, it's hard. Like, let's, oh, let's yeah. not do this. Let's, you know what? <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting <laughs> game. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, shout out to the Suns. Go Sun. An amazing week for Suns fans. Number one. Number one in the NBA. Hopefully you're listening to this and the Suns are still number one. We'll be back next week. What can you say about the experience of playing with Devin as he gets ready to head to his first playoffs? Man, I'm happy for him because he deserves it. You know, when you're in this league, sometimes... Uh, the, the casual fan don't get a chance to appreciate somebody's greatness. And, and Devin is a guy who's been doing it on a nightly basis. And I'm just happy that the world is finally getting to see him. And I'm, I'm grateful that he trusted me to come here to play alongside him, man. And, uh, our team wouldn't be where we are without him and his willingness to, to, to fight every day and his selflessness. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.